Welcome to the Sex and Psychology Podcast. My name is Dr. Justin Laymiller. I am a research fellow at the Kinsey Institute and author of the book, Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. On today's episode, I'm going to be speaking with sex therapist Dr. David Lay, who is a clinical psychologist based in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where he directs a large behavioral health and substance abuse outpatient program. He is also the author of several incredible books, including The Myth of Sex Addiction, Insatiable Wives, and Ethical Porn for Dicks. Dr. Lay is one of the media's go-to experts on all things sex. Today, we're going to be talking about the psychology of cuckolding, a sexual practice in which someone is aroused by the idea of watching or listening while their partner has sex with another person. It turns out that cuckolding is a surprisingly popular sexual interest, and David happens to know a lot about it because he's literally written the book on the subject. He and I have also collaborated on a scientific study about it, so we have a lot to say about cuckolding, and I know you're going to love this episode. So let's get to it. So happy to have you here and to have a chance to talk about cuckolding. <laughs> it's always fun to talk about it. <laughs> I agree. So um, I, I think let's start by talking about kind of how we both came to learn about cuckolding in the first place. I mean, for me, this was something that never came up once in graduate school. And it's not something I actually encountered until about a decade ago when a reader of my blog sent in a question where he asked, why do so many guys like to watch their wives sleep with other men? And my initial thought was, well, does that happen? Um, you know, I didn't really know anything about it. I was a little naive at that point uh, as a budding sex researcher. And I certainly didn't know that there was a term for it. And so I started doing some digging. And that's when I first encountered your work and your book, Insatiable Wives, which, by the way, I've recommended to a ton of people. So I think I probably <laughs> deserve, you. yeah, I think I probably deserve a cut of the royalties at this point. But, um, well, you know, <laughs> I, I would, I, I would say that given how much I've recommended your book, um, I mean, if you want to trade royalties back and forth here. Um, okay, fine. Maybe not. No, just kidding. <laughs> well, so I, I read your book and I wrote a response to this reader. I published it on the blog. And it became one of the most read articles on my site. And year in and wow. year out, it's still one of the most popular articles. And yeah. that's when I started to realize just how massively popular this is. So mm -hmm. I'm curious, when did you first learn about cuckolding? And how did you decide to write a whole book on the subject? So, you know, as you mentioned, I have a day job, you know, um, uh, running a large business and, you know, it, that can be challenging. Um, and so, uh, you know, I've always worked, um, as a clinical psychologist and, and, you know, doing sex therapy with alternative sex crowd, kind of poly, non-monogamous, kinky, et cetera. And, um, uh, many years ago, back in like 2007, 2008, I was kind of struggling with, honestly, with depression, um, uh, in my, in my professional life. And, uh, I decided, you know, Hey, I need some kind of project. So I collected data for a study about non-monogamy that I'd never actually published. Um, it wasn't honestly, it wasn't a very good study, but um, as I was doing that, I encountered these couples that told me that they lived the hot wife cuckold lifestyle. I'd never heard of it. And uh, they explained that, you know, the wife went off and had sex with other men and the husband, you know, was very enthusiastically supportive of it. And 
kind of like you. I mean, I, I, most psychologists and therapists get no training in sexuality um, in grad school, and, and I certainly had none, uh, certainly none about cuckolding. Um, and <laughs> my initial impression was, um, wow, that, that can't be healthy. Um, you know, for the wife to go off and be sexual with other people without the husband and, and everything else. And, but I, as, as I looked at these couples, um, they were really, really healthy. They had remarkable communication skills. Um, they had been married for decades. They had successful careers, um, remarkably successful careers, in fact. And, and I was forced to realize that I had, was reacting based on kind of bias. And so I started digging into the research and found there was none. There, there was really no scholarly research. There was one study back in the 1990s, I think you and I found it later, um, published by Wernick um, in Israel, that was the basically the only study I could find of anybody kind of looking at this phenomenon clinically. And that study was a study of um, basically letters submitted to, I think, Penthouse about wife sharing. So because there was nothing about it, and remember, I'm depressed. I'm kind of looking for, you know, some self-directed project. So I said, well, you know, I've always wanted to write a book. Let me let me investigate this. And so I spent, you know, about a year diving into the literature on evolutionary psychology, on female sexuality, on non-monogamy, um, but then also um, interviewing couples around the country as I traveled. And it was fun. I mean, I, I would post ads on Craigslist back when Craigslist had personal ads. And, you know, I'd say, you know, are you living this cuckold hot wife lifestyle? I'd like to talk to you. And they would send me naked pictures of the wife. And I would say, thank you very much. She's lovely. <laughs> but I really just want to talk with you. And then I would interview these folks and learn about the diversity of this. And <clears throat> at the end of the day, I had this book that just kind of described my journey trying to understand this. And it got published really quickly because, again, there wasn't anything out there. And it was it, it for me, it was really fascinating. My my wife actually describes that book as, as her favorite of my books because of the not not because it's about hot wives, but because it's about, you know, kind of this sort of wonderment that I had at this, you know, fascinating, positive, healthy aspect of these people's lives. And I had no idea when I wrote it that I would still be talking about it 10 years later and that it would be even more relevant to, to like freaking national politics um, <laughs> now. And and like you, uh, you know, I, I write on Psychology Today and one of the articles I wrote very early on about cuckolding and why would you – why would you want to watch your wife with other men? is one of my most popular pieces. I mean, it literally has, I think it, it alone has like 2 million reads. Mm -hmm. So it, it sounds like cuckolding changed your life and it also saved your life. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, because th that was the fun thing was after I was doing all those interviews and reading and writing and all this stuff, I wasn't depressed anymore mm -hmm. because even though I wasn't having sex with these beautiful wives, just hearing about the hot, um, you know, healthy sex that they were having changed me. Now, you mentioned this term hot wifing, which, you know, some people might not be familiar with. So what is the difference right. between cuckolding and hot wifing? Well, you can do, you can, you can go down quite a rabbit hole of this. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, like everything, you know, 
humans argue about what a certain term means, but roughly in the cuckolding and hot wifing, you know, I, 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 I use the general term wife sharing to describe these folks, but um, cuckolding tends to be a practice where the husband is a bit more submissive and takes more of a passive role in the practice of sharing his wife with other men. Sometimes there is some humiliation element to it, but not always. Um, in contrast, hot wifing looks a little bit more like swinging where the husband is more active, is oftentimes engaging in group sex with the wife as she is with other men. Um, so it, they, folks within the communities will make these very hard distinctions and, and some of the men sometimes will say, no, I'm not a cuckold. My wife is a hot wife and, and they get very defensive, um, about it. Um, basically it is just describing a little bit about some of the ways that they enact this, this, this wife sharing activity. Sure. And as is true with everything else in human sexuality, different people have different definitions for for all of these terms. Exactly. Now, now when it comes to cuckolding, you've, you've talked a little bit about some variations in some of the scenarios and how people define these things. But is there kind of a typical cuckolding scenario in, say, a male-female relationship? You know, what does that look like? Um. So, you know, I think that first this is evolving and as it is becoming more mainstream, there are more younger people kind of engaging in this. But as I met these couples and and as we, you know, um, kind of dove into this. It has tended to be somewhat older couples in the 40s, oftentimes um, couples that have already had kids. It is something that is usually initiated by the husband who goes to the wife and says, you know, hey, I've kind of had this fantasy of, of um, you know, seeing you with other people. And oftentimes the wife, um, you know, reacts with 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 kind of shock and some concern because women who engage in infidelity suffer far more um, stringent kind of consequences and punishment socially than than do unfaithful men. And so wives are afraid that they, you know, they're they're oftentimes afraid that their husband thinks they're a slut um, or that they will be, you know, ostracized if their infidelity is exposed and such. But as the couple kind of shares this fantasy and the husband, you know, sometimes kind of starts to you know, um, almost seduce the wife to the idea of, of being with other men, pointing out other men, maybe, you know, helping her to hook up with other men on apps or things like that. The couple kind of evolves sort of towards this. Um, sometimes the wife will be sexual with other men that the couple knows. Sometimes the wife is sexual with other men that the couple doesn't know. And it, you know, it comes in all flavors and it really, it really gets negotiated now around, uh, the couple's sort of dynamics. And particularly I, I view a lot of these rules within non-monogamy as anxiety management strategies. You know, the sometimes the husband is afraid that the wife will fall in love with 
um, the man, and so he is careful to choose men that he doesn't think she would fall in love with. But sometimes the man, the husband, really enjoys the idea of her, her being with a uh, man who is kind of more manly and more dominant than the husband feels um, because the husband wants to roll around in some of that humiliation kind of feeling. I interesting historical side note, the, uh, uh, Leopold von Sacher Masoch, the massacre is named after. Back in the 1800s, he advertised in the German newspapers of the day that he was looking for a virile, energetic young man to befriend his wife because Massach really wanted to um, enjoy the humiliation of being cuckolded um, uh, by his wife. And so it's fascinating how long that history goes back. It is so fascinating. And it, it's so interesting, too, that you point out how it's usually the the men who are initiating this in these male-female relationships. And I've received lots of emails from men over the years saying, how do I convince my wife to sleep with other people? But I've never received an email from a woman saying, how do I convince my husband to let me sleep with other people? So there's some interesting gender yeah. dynamic there. So I have now. I didn't used to. Um, but, uh, you're right. I mean, I'm always willing to acknowledge that, you know, humans are complex beings and that there are dark sides to some of this. And, and I have seen and, and worked with men who engage in kind of non-consensual behavior, trying to um, trick their wife, um, intoxicate their wife, um, into being with other men, um, against the wife's will. And, and that is dangerous and unhealthy and, and disturbing in all kinds of ways. But I have, um, recently over the past couple of years started hearing from women who would like to be non-monogamous and their their husbands um or boyfriends are just not into it and and i think it i think it's an interesting reflection of the development of feminism and sexual empowerment that we're now starting to kind of see that yeah, and I, I think there's a lot of truth to that because I see in my own research on sexual fantasies that a lot of women have fantasized about this scenario precisely where they're having sex mm -hmm. while their partner watches, but they may not feel empowered to act on that fantasy or desire or to even tell their partner about it just because of the ways in which female sexuality tends to be more harshly judged and held to a different standard than, than male sexuality. So I think there's probably right. something to that. In your book, how many, I forget, was it 45% of men reported that they had fantasized about seeing their, their partner with other men? It, it was a majority. It was about, I, th I think it was about 51, 52%, wow. slight majority. Um, That's just extraordinary. Yeah. And there was a, uh, we'll talk more about this a little later. There was a difference based <laughs> on sexual orientation where uh, gay and bisexual identified men had these fantasies more than heterosexual men. Um, and that's, you know, a significant number of women, I don't recall the exact number off the top of my head, but it was about a third, I want to say, of women who said that they had also fantasized about watching their partner. But I also asked about the reverse role of, you know, having sex while your partner watches you and more women mm -hmm. had fantasized about that than that's interesting. Yeah. Now, so what is it that, that draws people to cuckolding? You know, whenever I talk about this, I get a lot of people who question, how could you possibly find that arousing, right? <laughs> uh, because they see this as really threatening or the ultimate mm -hmm. betrayal. And it's like, wait, you're going to sleep with someone while I watch? Like, that just seems really insulting. So, so what's the appeal? What is it that people find erotic about this? And why do some people find it to be really threatening? 
Well, you know, like everything, it is complex. It is multiply determined. There are different factors for different people. Some of the main kind of themes that I found were one significant one is, you know, simple voyeurism and, you know, people that uh, men that would say, you know, I would rather watch my wife have sex with, with with other people than watch some stranger in pornography because I know what my wife looks like when she's having fun and enjoying herself. And I know that she, this is real. She's actually enjoying it. And, and I sometimes wonder if the rise in cuckolding fantasy has some relationship to increased acceptance and viewing of pornography as people, you know, kind of incorporate more of a voyeur watching sexual um, behavior into their sexual repertoire. I, I there's also, um, again, you know, particularly in, in we're talking about, you know, males watching their partner. And we don't one of the things that, that I think we don't know, we don't know a lot about the female motivations. And I, I would like to know more about that. But in men, one of the other significant components is what I call kind of vicarious bisexuality, that there are men who really would like to engage in sexual activity with other men, but they have a lot of moral or social prohibitions against it. And they can kind of use their wife's body basically as a vehicle to vicariously have sex with other men. And what's interesting is that those guys are really, really interested in getting guys with big penises for their wives. And they get really, really obsessed. I mean, it's funny because the, the husbands sometimes are more of a size queen <laughs> than the wife is. Um, and sometimes the men will incorporate kind of a forced bisexuality component into the, into the cuckolding fantasy and you know be forced to you know uh, perform oral, oral sex on the on on the other man the bull so to speak by the wife and you know well then the then the then the husband's not really gay he's not really bisexual he's being forced into it um and, and so i i think those are the those are the two kind of main components now one of the things that I also talk about, though, is that um, these folks, I think, in some ways have found a strategy to kind of hijack um, jealousy and to turn the feelings of jealousy into sexual excitement. And the the research around sperm competition, it was very significant, you know, when I wrote the book and, and in the years since some of that sperm competition research has kind of fallen apart and not been replicated. So if I could write the book again, that is one of the things that I would change is the degree to which I, you know, I treat that research as, as, as very credible. Mm -hmm. But I think that there is a really strong component there that for whatever reason, in whatever way, men get more aroused um, at the presence of other – at the cues of other men um, needing to kind of compete, so to speak, against those uh, against those men, to, to put more sperm on the playing field, to compete. You know, mm -hmm. to, um, and, and I think that these folks have – interestingly found a way to take the energy of that jealousy and competition and turn it into excitement. Mm -hmm. Now, some people seem to be 
more into cuckolding than others. And if we turn to current events, um, (laughs) it's interesting if we talk about political conservatives because they publicly proclaim an aversion to cuckolding in in any other form of of non-monogamy. And in fact, they use the term cuck oftentimes as a slur Mm -hmm. to denigrate other people they see as weak. And what's interesting is that despite that sort of public aversion, they actually seem to be disproportionately drawn to the sexual interest. And prominent case in point would be Jerry Falwell Jr., who allegedly Mm -hmm. watched his wife have sex with their pool boy for years. Um, There's also a a finding that you shared on Twitter the other day with uh, showing that there are more porn searches for cuckolding in more conservative parts of the U.S. And my my own data on sexual fantasies find that conservatives fantasize about cuckolding more than liberals. So, so what's up with that? You know, why is there this also this political link to cuckolding? Isn't that interesting? I mean, you know, your readers can also they can Google um, cuckolding porn 2016 GOP convention. (laughs) And there are, you know, there are videos that people made of, you know, cuckolding scenes at, you know, around the GOP convention because there were a bunch of them, apparently. You know, and, and it, it goes beyond even, you know, Falwell and, and, and those folks. I mean, there are um, significant allegations that Paul Manafort, uh, Trump's uh, campaign president, was into cuckolding and watching his wife with other men, um, apparently in a, a kind of uh, somewhat non-consensual and manipulative kind of way. And Roger Stone um, also has been long known as as a pretty outswinger who refers to himself as a trisexual and um, famously was also posting personal ads looking for muscular men to, to have sex with his wife while he watched. So, yeah, it is interesting what's going on there. One thing one thing I do like to point out is, you know, and again, I'm, I'm kind of a history geek. And so I like to know where these kind of things come from. And the term cuck um, and cuckold actually derives from the practices, the breeding practices of this bird called a cuckoo. And the cuckoo will go and lay its eggs in the nest of other birds. And because the cuckoo's uh, baby hatches before the other birds, the cuckoo bird will grow up faster, oftentimes push out the other eggs, kill other birds, and consume more of the food. So naturalists back in the 1500s, 1600s, they saw this happening and they said, basically, that's what happens when a man's wife cheats on him and he doesn't know and he ends up raising the children of other men and those children consume his wealth and he is now investing in children that are not genetically related to him. So those men were perceived as weak, um, powerless. Um, their wives were, um, uh, you know, they, they, these, these kind of vicious kind of um, monsters that were cheating on the, on the husband. And so the, the term cuck um, and, and interestingly, when we, you know, when we take pictures with each other and we hold our fingers in a V up behind the other person's head to kind of make fun of them, haha, that actually derives from the old way that people indicated that somebody was that a man was being cuckolded by putting horns above his head. And so uh, it's funny that this that, that, that this message is still, still here today. So when when the conservatives are calling each other cuck. 
they are they're saying oh you're weak you're being unfaithful to the spirit of conservatism and everything else and and so they're they're really condemning it but the interesting thing and I'm, and your research talks a lot about this as well the more taboo something is, the more condemned it is for some people, the more sexually charged and exciting it becomes. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I had this one guy write me and and he said, look, you know, he said, I'm a skinhead. He said, I, I'm a white Nazi. Um, but people don't know that the thing that I fantasize the most is my wife cheating on me with a Jewish or a a person of color, because that is just so powerful to me because I'm taught to hate it and fear it. And yet it turns me on. So fascinating. (laughs) And yeah, that appeal of the taboo is certainly a big part of, I think, what explains so many of our erotic turn-ons and why taboo themes are so popular in our sexual fantasies in general. Exactly. Now, up until this point, we've kind of focused on cuckolding as it occurs in male-female relationships, but we certainly know that it happens in same-sex relationships too. And in fact, you and I have collaborated on a study together on gay cuckolding, along with sex advice columnist Dan Savage. And we surveyed around 500 or so mostly gay-identified men who said they'd fantasized about cuckolding before. We published the results in an academic journal. And I was just wondering if you could tell my listeners a little bit about about how that study came about in the first place and what you think were the most interesting things we learned when we started looking at cuckolding in male same-sex relationships compared to the male-female relationships. You know, so that study, it actually came about from, from Dan Savage. Um, you know, he gets, he gets, you know, uh, letters and requests about cuckolding all the time. And he, he's even written and said that he just, he is kind of tired of it, but <laughs> He had famously said that there is no such thing as as cuckolding in gay couples because gay men love to watch their husbands with other men, and it it doesn't have the same kind of flavor that it does in heterosexuals. But then all of a sudden, he started getting these letters from gay cuckolds, and and he wrote me and he said, "What what do you think is going on?" And 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 he suggested, he said, "You know, is this because of?" the Supreme Court. He said, you know, when when the Supreme Court legalized gay marriage in 2015, did they now create kind of a taboo that then it then became more exciting when when husbands could see their legally married husband now cheating on them? Um, and so I was like, well, you know, let, let's do a study. And Dan said, well, I've, I've never done a study. And I said, cool. (laughs) And, and then because I'm not, you know, a great researcher, um, we reached out to you and said, you know, could you help us like make this a real study? Cause we've got a good idea, but we don't know what to do. And luckily, I mean, you were interested and, 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 and we, it, it was, it was just fun. It was, it was, it was, it was a neat project and fun, exciting. And we found out that there wasn't any data to really support the theory that that Dan and I had suggested that this was related to 
you know, kind of legalization of gay marriage. But what we did find just so interesting, you know, was some of the things that we've talked about, you know, that, um, you know, cuckolding, as we looked at, um, you know, kind of Google trends and such like that, we found that cuckolding fantasies or searches for cuckold were, were more popular in countries that were more, you know, uh, kind of machismo. Italy, interestingly, is the country that has the highest searches for Google on cuckolding um, per capita. But we also, we found, I think, the most um, compelling piece was that men who were into cuckolding with their husband, who were generally pretty healthy guys, Mm -hmm. and that engaging in this behavior was generally fairly positive and healthy for the couple. That it was not, you know, the end of the relationship. It was not destructive. It was, but it was an adventurous kind of exciting behavior that 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 the men could consensually make part of their lives. Mm-hmm. And that was the piece that the media picked <laughs> up when our study came out. Uh, CNN actually published an article, and I believe the title of it was something along the lines of cuckolding can be good for some couples, study says. And they they drew upon our study, your book, Insatiable Wives. And I distinctly remember when the article came out, I read it in the morning and I thought, oh, this is a great article. It's really true to the science. But then it just like blew the fuck up on Twitter (laughs) and not in a good way. Uh, There were all these people like all of a sudden who were making personal attacks on us, on um, the author of the article, who I know has received some Mm -hmm. death threats for having written that. Mm -hmm. Uh, People were calling CNN the cuckold news network, which is actually kind of funny. Um, (laughs) So so what do you remember of that experience? And why do you think there was so much backlash? Uh, Why was our study so controversial? Oh, God. Um, I think it was information that people were scared to hear. I think that it challenged their, you know, conceptions and it poked some very fragile uh, egos. I, you know, and and, and like you, I mean, I, I saw this blowing up and I was like, whoa, you know, and I had this kind of infamous engagement with some some guy on Twitter who I didn't know was like this very hugely popular right wing kind of guy who posted something about it. And and I responded saying, you know, the people who protest the most about this tend to be the ones that are the most into it. And that kind of went viral um, <laughs> because, again, I was kind of poking and, you know, Tucker Carlson, um, you know, covered it. And there's this uh, just this hysterical video of him, you know, like like struggling to pronounce cuckold and and, and acting like he doesn't know how to say the word or what the word means. But the, the funny thing is, I mean, like we said, you know, the conservatives are running around calling each other cuck all the time. Mm-hmm. And so he was just I think um, the headline on, on Fox News about it was, you know, the death of marriage. Um, and it was just like, my God, could you make this a little more dramatic now? Now, you know, um, Lay Miller, Lay and Savage are killing marriage. It was extraordinary. Yeah, I think my favorite tweet said something to the effect of our study was destroying Western civilization <laughs> as we know it. <laughs> you know, you aim high, aim big or go home, right? right. <laughs> 
<laughs> I had no idea what you guys were getting me into with that study. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I, I apologize for that. <laughs> I had, you know, I mean, at that point, I'd had, you know, I, I'd certainly had my share of, of attack from, from, you know, in the media around sex addiction and stuff like that. But I thought this was just a silly little fun study. I had no idea it was going to generate that kind of, that kind of attention, you know, fun times, fun times. But I think it's also just so telling of how threatening and how controversial the idea of consensual non-monogamy is to so many people mm -hmm. that they would react so strongly and they would come after us so personally and right. that they'd be sending death threats to the author of this article. It's just... It's and then, what, two years later, we have the Jerry Falwell Jr. scandal and it's like, oh, you know, huh, you remember how you guys were attacking us about this? Huh. <laughs> I mean, man, I wanted I wanted to go on Tucker Carlson and say, "Hey, you remember this?" Now, what, what was interesting was I wrote an op-ed for the Washington Post about cuckolding and sort of the psychology behind why conservatives are more into it than liberals, and I was expecting the same kind of round of attacks. <laughs> that happened the first time, but it was just crickets, you know, <laughs> nothing really happened. Instead, I got, a, I was wondering. Yeah, it, it was, um, most people are like, yep, that makes sense. That checks out. So <laughs> <laughs> we beat them into submission. We won. We really did destroy civilization. Way to go, Justin. Apparently mission accomplished. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I think, the truth just got too hard to deny. And so they prefer to go back into just, um, just pretending to be blind to it. So let's talk about the future of cuckolding. You know, I could potentially see a few different predictions here. One is that as consensual non-monogamy becomes more widely accepted, it's still got a ways to go before it gets to widespread acceptance. But if it becomes more widely accepted, will people feel freer to do it and kind of write their own relationship script? Or on the other hand, you know, if marriage, if the rate of marriage continues at an all-time low and, um, you know, fewer people subscribe to the idea of lifelong monogamy, will the taboo aspect and the transgressiveness of cuckolding become less appealing? Or is cuckolding just kind of ingrained in us to find arousing and appealing and so no matter what else changes people will still be into it i don't know so what are your thoughts on that i think this fantasy is going to be around as long as religious conservative sexual values are around um and and certainly those are not going to go away um those communities think that they Adherence to some of those values may be shrinking, but, you know, the strongholds of, you know, Alabama and, and Utah and such, those, those sexually conservative, you know, areas are not going to, 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 to stop. They're not going to, you know, openly and radically embrace non-monogamy. And so, you know, as, as long as those communities have people that are growing up within them and becoming husbands and wives, um, that taboo and that exciting taboo is still going to be there. Um, I think that, 
you know, the um, as non-monogamy becomes more acceptable, though, um, what what I'm interested to see is, you know, kind of the evolution. And, you know, I've worked with some couples that started into non-monogamy around cuckolding and then the wives, you know, got into it and it turned into something that looked more like swinging and then it turned into something that looked more like polyamory. Um, and so that I think is, is an interesting kind of avenue that I'm, that I'm, uh, you know, excited to kind of watch in terms of how this flavor of kind of relationship or this entree into non-monogamy, um, evolves in people. And I wonder if cuckolding porn is going to remain as popular as it is. And, and that I, that I don't know, because I think that, I think that the popularity of porn kind of reflects sexual fantasy and it reflects the excitement du jour. Um, people complain that there are a lot of racist elements in cuckold porn and they're right, but those racist elements and the, and the, and the excitement of that racist taboo fantasy reflects the racism in society. Mm-hmm. It's not that these cuckold fantasies are creating racist ra- racism. They are they are reflecting the the struggle with racism that is within the people who are watching this porn, and so I'm interested to see as our society hopefully becomes less racist and confronts these racist attitudes, does the excitement and taboo of those racist dynamics kind of go away? I'm just a a student of <laughs> of watching human sexuality as as it evolves because I just think it's so fascinating and so revealing. Yeah, I, we are all voyeurs of human sexuality. So. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You're right. So according to David Lay, cuckolding is here to stay. Cuckolding cures depression. So it is, <laughs> <laughs> it's the cure-all. But no, I, I appreciate what you said about how it'll be really interesting to see how this evolves going forward. And I think just more broadly in the world of consensual non-monogamy, we don't know enough about how those relationships begin and how they change form and what this means. I think there's this tendency to think that the cuckolds and the swingers and the open relationships and the polyamorous, that these are all totally different groups of people, but maybe there are more fluid, flexible boundaries between them and one can kind of lead to the other and maybe they're going back and forth. And maybe there's multiple variations of these different arrangements taking place within a given relationship. (laughs) So certainly an area that's very fertile and ripe for, for research. Yeah. So thank you so much, David. This has been a very fun, very wide ranging conversation. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. Can you tell us a little bit more about where we can go to learn about your work and maybe find some of your books, including Insatiable Wives? davidlayphd.com. You'd think I would know my own website, right? <laughs> davidlayphd.com. Um, on Twitter, you know, at Dr. David Lay. The last name, even though it sounds like Get Laid, um, it is L-E-Y. And then, you know, my books are on Amazon and you can find them through my links and all that good stuff. Engage with me on Twitter. Um, it's always a, a fun conversation. Yeah, and you're happy to talk about cuckolding and beyond on social media. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. If you if you can survive the attacks that we had a few years ago, you can survive anything. Yep. 
Well, thank you again so much for your time and for your amazing insights. I really appreciate having you here. And thank you to my listeners. To keep up with new episodes of the podcast, you can visit my website, Sex and Psychology, at sexandpsychology.com or subscribe on Apple, where I hope you'll take a moment to rate and review the podcast. Also, be sure to check out my book, Tell Me What You Want, which has a lot of fascinating information in there about cuckolding and more. So thanks again for listening. Until next time.